Hello, and welcome to Writing in Faith, a podcast about the Christian and writing life. I'm your host, Daniel Didek, and this week's episode is about why I write stories, and especially why I write fantasy. Why not just write devotionals or nonfiction or theological dissertations? Well, keep listening to find out. Well, a lot has happened since last episode because I actually recorded that last episode in early December. And between figuring out how to edit it all together and figuring out where I was going to publish it and how to publish it online for you to listen to, that's why it ended up not actually coming out till January 4th. So since the last episode was recorded, I've actually finished the first draft of book three the one known, and I've printed out some copies and sent them to my alpha readers. So these are people that are just going to give it a quick read over, get some early feedback, see if the book is kind of doing what I want it to and things like that. And then they're going to get back to me and I'll do some more revisions to it and then have some more people read it and do more revisions to it. But the first draft is totally done. It's done and out the door. People are starting to read it, starting to get some early comments back. So that's been really, really cool. And then I've actually also started plotting book four already. So normally I don't do a whole lot of plotting and we'll probably talk more about that in a future episode about how I approach writing a story like this. But basically I'm giving myself until about the middle of March is when I actually sit down and start writing the actual text of book four. So for now doing a little bit of preliminary kind of planning things out, it's going to be a much more complex book than book three was. So I want to kind of get ready for that. And now this podcast has started coming out, which is super, super fun and should be coming out every single Saturday. Now let's get into this week's topic. Why should we write stories as Christians instead of essays or devotions, especially when we have such an important message to tell? The good news of the birth, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins, for the sins of the whole world is a really, really important message that we're told and should feel strongly compelled to put out there. So this is a really important question to ask. Why write stories instead of just speaking straight out? Because oftentimes our messages can get lost or twisted when told through a story. In fact, in our current culture, one of the prevailing beliefs is that artists shouldn't put meaning into their art. They should just create something that they react to or something, sometimes even conversations I've heard or had, it's almost like artists just put something out there and the less meaning they have when they create it, the better almost. It's really weird. So they just create something and then the audience is supposed to derive their own meaning from it. So when we view art, whether it's writing or visual art in some way, shape or form, it's completely up to us. We shouldn't even ask what did the artist mean when they did this? You just look at it and say, how do I react to it? Why do I react that way to it? And so for writers too, that I've heard the argument that we shouldn't try to convey a specific conclusion in our story about life or about the human condition. We should just write the story and let the reader conclude from it, whatever they will. Just create the characters, put them together, and see what happens. I personally do not hold to this belief at all. I think as writers, we cannot help but draw conclusions for our reader to a certain extent anyway, because by choosing how we resolve the primary conflict, regardless of how natural it seems to be to the story, we still make that decision of this is how we're going to end the story. This is how all the conflict we've created, how we're going to resolve it in a way that makes sense to us. And by doing that, we're automatically saying something about the world we live in, our beliefs about it, And we therefore show the reader something we think they should believe as well. We may not want to force them to do it. We may say, hey, this is just what I believe. You can take it or leave it. But the fact we're writing it and putting it out there means we're trying to share this idea and say, hey, this is a way to understand the world. What do you think? 
And we're so we're inviting them into that understanding. And to the degree they enjoy the book, they're going to come to that same conclusion as well. So we kind of, this idea that we can't or we shouldn't draw conclusions to me is almost a little silly because it's going to happen one way or another, kind of quite naturally from just the fact of telling a story. But before we dive too deep into the writing aspect of this question, let's look at today's devotion. And we're going to do this by focusing on a couple verses from Matthew chapter 13 as we talk about the parables of Jesus. As I mentioned in our very first episode, a story has been bound up in the nature of God since the beginning. And Jesus, walking on the earth, told stories that we call parables. In fact, in Matthew 13, verse 34, it says, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowds in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. And across the four Gospels, we are given 70 of those parables. Some of them are very brief, taking up only a verse or two. Others are paragraphs long and come with a description of what they mean later on. We might wonder why Jesus did this, speaking only or primarily in parables, which is good because the disciples wondered too. So what are parables for? What's the purpose of them? According to the dictionary, a parable is defined as a usually short, fictitious story that illustrates a moral attitude or religious principle. So, according to this, the purpose is to illustrate a moral attitude or religious principle. We can see this in Matthew 13.35, where it says, So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables, and this is the key, I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Matches the dictionary definition pretty closely, doesn't it? Since the natural and spiritual are so closely bound, the natural world was conceived of and created and ordered by God, after all, it follows that a spiritual reality can be presented quite easily in a natural story. And Jesus came to speak these parables because the truths they contained had been hidden. He came in part to finally reveal truths that nothing in the Old Testament had so far revealed. This is why I mentioned last time that the New Testament is, of course, still very important for us to read and understand while not still neglecting the Old Testament. But there's something else we need to understand about how parables function, and it comes to us earlier in this chapter, in Matthew 13, from Jesus himself in verse 13. He says to his disciples when they asked, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. He's quoting another prophecy. Returning quickly to our dictionary definition, pay attention to the word illustrate. And notice the definition is not to teach. Teaching can come from it, certainly. But by merely illustrating the attitude or principle, it is still the responsibility of the hearer or reader to learn from it. And Jesus, when giving a parable, most often leads in only with, the kingdom of heaven is like such and such. And then he tells the story. The point being that the actual specific moral attitude or religious principle is not necessarily indicated or explained in the parable. Why would Jesus do this? If his purpose is to reveal things hidden since the beginning of creation, why does he continue to sort of hide it in these vague parables? The key I focus on actually comes from the Gospel of John in chapter 7, verse 37, which says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Now, this is significant for several reasons, but consider this first. This is at the end of a seven-day festival at the end of harvest time. It's not like the people there would have been truly physically thirsty. Imagine at the end of a Thanksgiving meal, standing up and saying, if anyone's hungry, I've got food. People are going to think you're crazy, or at the very least, ignore you and think, I've got food too, thanks. But those who pause and wonder why you would say such a thing might come up to you and ask, why would you think anyone would still be hungry? Or maybe with a full belly, but some other emptiness in their life, they might think, you know, my belly is full, but something inside me still hungers. I wonder if that's what he's talking about. This is what happens with the parables. 
Those whose hearts have hardened, as Jesus points out in Matthew 13, 15, just think he's crazy or blasphemous. But those with genuinely curious spirits and soft hearts, when they do not understand, will seek it out. Many times throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus responding only to those who truly seek him, who do not already think they have all the answers and are good to go. That's why he always comes to the poor and broken. Why it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick? Those who are full of this life on earth are too often those whose hearts have hardened and have no interest in spiritual truths. And one thing God has never done is force himself on someone who's unwilling. As we talked about in last week's devotion, God is still a God who wants you to seek him. He's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to make things so abundantly obvious unless you're already open to it and kind of looking for it. He's not going to make it so obvious that you cannot ignore his existence or his truths or his reality. For those of us who believe in him, who appreciate what he does and understand what he does and how he does it, things may seem very, very obvious to us. But clearly, in a world full of people who can't fathom the existence of a God, who think we as Christians are idiots and out of our minds to believe in such a thing for them, God is not as obvious in existence as he is to us. So all of this is why I focus on writing stories. For you all who might come to this podcast because you want a scripture devotion instead of a story, I can give you that, and I love bringing it to you. I really, really do. I've had an overwhelming desire to start speaking for a long time now, and I'm so grateful to be born in a time where I can create these podcasts and make them available to you really quite easily. But my first creative love, and what I've spent most of my life doing, is writing stories. And I do it for the same reasons Christ told parables. To reveal truths, though not necessarily ones hidden since before creation, I'm not sure if I can even do that, and to illustrate them in ways that my readers can find them if they're looking, but hopefully not so obvious that those who only want a fun story are whacked over the head with Christianity. I still do not believe in forcing my beliefs on someone who doesn't want them. And yet, if I write a story that makes sense to me, and if my beliefs are steeped in spiritual truths, how can I help but inject those beliefs into a story? That's why I cannot adhere to this this argument that conclusions should not be drawn for the reader. Yes, there are ways to go overboard with it and be, you know, you could think of maybe Pilgrim's Progress or something where the moral of the story is so abundantly clear or maybe even says the moral of the story is. But in the end, any writer is going to draw some sort of conclusion for their reader, whether they want to or not. Unless your book simply doesn't conclude, doesn't resolve any of the conflicts. And if you don't do that, most readers are not going to enjoy it. That's why we talk about satisfying conclusions to stories is because it has to wrap up in some way that all the questions we've had and all the tensions and struggles that we've read through in this book come to an end that we like. So for me to not include any spiritual truths in my stories would be to write something inauthentic to me. So why do I write fantasy then? Why not just normal fiction or literary fiction? Well, there are actually three reasons. First, it was an accident. Early in my life, I was writing primarily military fiction. The problem was I was trying to write Tom Clancy-level military fiction with no experience and no drive to do research. So I would start a story, get a couple chapters in, run up against something I didn't know and didn't feel like looking up, and then set the story aside and never pick it up again. The joy of writing it was just absolutely gone for me at that point. Then the year 2001 came along, and September 11th happened. I was about to turn 16, but I knew already at that point that when I turned 18, I was going to join the army. And so when our troops went to Afghanistan, I decided to write a story about soldiers in Afghanistan. And that time, I decided I wouldn't care about the technical details. I would just write a story about soldiers set in Afghanistan. And as usual, that worked for a few months. But finally, I wrote a scene that even I couldn't suspend my disbelief for, as I was 
writing it and as I was rereading it later, I was like, I know battles don't work this way anymore. So kind of in frustration because of that particular scene, I said, you know what? I need to write something that I don't need to research. And like most high schoolers, I thought, fantasy. So I sat down and wrote the opening line for what would become By Ways Unseen. Actually, it would become chapter 14 of By Ways Unseen, but that wouldn't happen for another eight years or so. But back in 2002, I wrote and wrote and wrote and was having a blast just making things up as I went along. I had almost no experience in fantasy at that point. I'd watched an animated version of The Hobbit. My dad had read The Hobbit to me and my siblings when we were younger. I probably, I played video games. I was playing video games that were fantasy-based. Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII. PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 games that were fantasy-based. But I, as far as the books, I had not read any of the ones that you should have read by then. Anyway, I was having a lot of fun with it, making things up as I went along, not doing research, just taking the story wherever I wanted it to go at the time. And so it was great. Until another fateful day, probably, I can't remember if it was weeks or months, but I went to go work on my book, put the disc in, open up the Word document, and saw gibberish. Lines and lines and lines of special characters and not the ones that are just above the number keys on your keyboard. These were like the ones you've got to push alt and a numerical code in order to to make appear. The more I scrolled down, the more I saw. This file had corrupted, basically. I had been using a disk that had a game on it. I deleted the game data and was saving the documents to it. And apparently something happened that it just screwed everything up. And so... Didn't know what to do. I've written at that point too much to try to just start back from the beginning. So I copied everything off the disk, saved it onto the computer itself, and in complete anger and frustration, crumpled up the disk, smashed it into the trash can, and sat back down on the computer. And then I remembered the story of the soldiers in Afghanistan had still been on that disc. I had only saved over the fantasy story. So I sat down and I said to myself, well, I guess I'm writing fantasy. And with a few college-induced exceptions that we're about to talk about, I've been writing fantasy ever since. The second reason I write fantasy then is it's what I seem to be good at. As I mentioned, through college, I had to write a number of short stories, and they usually wanted non-genre fiction so I wrote them, and I usually enjoyed them, but I never got like that excited about them. They just seemed to fall a little bit flat. Uh, I did put together an anthology once, and my absolute two favorite stories in the whole collection were one that was about werewolves and another that's essentially a fantastical conversion story. It's someone, quote-unquote, becoming a Christian, but it's not them actually becoming a Christian in the story. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I was still excited about the premises of each of these stories, the the ideas that I had. I thought this was a really cool idea and I enjoyed writing it and it felt like it was important to write and they came out the way I wanted them to, but I just don't think they're as good as my fantasy fiction. You can actually read them if you go to Amazon. Uh, the anthology is called If They Keep Silent. You can download, I think it's a dollar. So if you want to, you can go pick it out, read it. Let me know on which story is your favorite. See if you agree with me or if I'm completely out of my mind. But either way, third reason I write fantasy, and most importantly, fantasy for me is an avenue through which I can talk about God and Christian beliefs in a safe place. And you might have warning bells going off in your head, but let me try to explain. If I try to write about God in normal fiction, it's almost automatically classified as Christian fiction, to be shelved in the Christian fiction section, perused and read primarily by Christians. There's nothing wrong with Christians. I like you guys a lot, and I am one myself. But that's not strictly who I'm trying to reach. It's not only who I'm trying to reach, certainly. And as a Christian, you're still free to browse the fantasy section of Amazon or bookstores, come across my books, read them. There might still be stuff in them that you get more out of it than 
this devotion, for instance. Some of you may not feel free to peruse that, and that's fine. If you feel that way, don't let anyone make you feel bad for doing that. For the rest of us, most, if not all, fantasy has some sort of deity or deities in it. This is an acceptable part of a fantasy story, and no one blinks twice when there's churches or religious orders, or even protagonists who believe in a god or several gods. So what I'm able to do is create a god who is very much like the Christian god, have him interact with the world and the characters much the way my god interacts with this world and me, and present a story that hopefully will help those who are thirsty to sit back and think, you know, this is kind of the way the Christian God seems to interact with the world and its people, at least according to what I've heard. But for those who are full and just want a fun story to read, they can still read it and enjoy it. And who knows, maybe one day they too will encounter the true God and not run away because he looks something like what they've read and things turned out okay there too. And that's why I write stories and how we have the perfect example of one who told stories as well. One who we're supposed to kind of try to be like too. So if you feel pulled to write stories, do it. And enjoy it. Take confidence and inspiration from the fact that no one less than the Son of God found stories to be one of the most useful ways to spread the knowledge of the truth, to call people to higher and better ways of living, and to invite them into close community with the Father. As readers, stories can excite our curiosity, pull us out of the rut and darkness in which we may find ourselves. And as we seek for satisfaction to our questions, the door is open for God to come in and break bread with us. As writers, we get to understand the creative nature of God, who made everything that was made without blueprint or inspiration except for himself. We may be able to understand better than any others what it means for God to redeem a story, to take what seems to be bad in our lives and turn it into good. The best plot twist in your favorite novel is no comparison to the miracles God can do when a lost soul turns to him in surrender. And no conclusion ever written will equal that final day when Jesus returns and finally we understand God's plan from the beginning. But we as writers get to glimpse that a little bit and get to understand the joy and heartache from taking our characters through hell for the sake of the story, knowing it turns out all right in the end, but knowing our readers will still fear for them during the dark times. Thanks so much for joining me this week. Come back next week where we talk about wisdom and sources of inspiration. Until then, keep writing and keep the faith. Music